This is Our Anxiety Stories, the Anxiety Canada podcast with John Bacon. This is the place where people from all walks of life share their anxiety stories to remind you that you are not alone. If you have an anxiety story you'd like to share, contact us at anxietycanada.com slash ouranxietystories. This is John Bateman, and you're listening to Our Anxiety Stories, the Anxiety Canada podcast, which can be found at anxietycanada.com or on most of your popular podcast platforms. Today, my guest is Joanna Zelachowska. She's a registered clinical counselor who is the manager of Jesse's Legacy Eating Disorders Prevention Program at Family Services of the North Shore. Joanna, welcome. Hi, thanks for having me. It's great to have you. Uh, first questions first. Uh, Joanna, what's your anxiety story? Yeah, it's interesting. When I think about kind of what got me interested in eating disorders um, at a young age, and I, I, I grew up in very aesthetic sports, in dance and gymnastics. And so I saw a lot of women struggling and girls struggling with their bodies and their body image. And as I was reflecting on that, I was like, hmm, a lot of that really kind of sources back to anxiety about our bodies, anxiety about our image, anxiety about food and, and relationship with food. Um, and so it's something that I think I've been acutely aware of from the time I was a teenager and something that really um, I was interested in. And that also at the same time really made me sad. I saw so many you know, beautiful, smart, articulate people that had such a diversity and complexity of interests and, and things about them. And, and so many people around me struggled um, with, with these issues. And, and really, when I was reflecting on that, so much of the core of that did kind of boil down to this anxious worry. Um, so I think that that's part of what um, really got me interested in, in doing this work and finding out more about it and, and how to, to support people through that. Did you find yourself when you were, like you say, younger and, um, and in those disciplines, did you find yourself helping peers with their anxiety issues? Um, yeah, that's a good question. I think I, I, I naturally tended to be somebody that that was a helper a healer i think that's what kind of drew me to this profession mm-hmm. um and so i think i've always sought ways to help kind of reassure f- folks and offer support not that i always knew how to do that or what was right. most helpful certainly um but i think that that's been a part of it definitely and at, so at what point did you decide you're going to get into this sort of at the level you're in, you know, you're, you're at a high level, you're a clinical counselor. Um, what point did you decide to, that this was going to be, you know, your career? Yeah. Well, I actually was thinking that I was going to go to law school and then I, I was interested in, in psychology and criminal psychology and I had to do a, a practicum and I couldn't find anything in that field and, and found, oh, there's this eating disorders practicum that I could do, that I could volunteer at an eating disorders program in Vancouver. And I thought, well, that's another interest of mine based on my own experiences and my experiences in sports and whatnot. Um, so I pursued that. And then I just became so kind of passionate about it that I abandoned that track um, and thought I, I want to go more deeply into this and then decided to switch gears and, and pursue a master's degree in, in counseling psychology. And a lot of my work and my thesis was all kind of centered around um, eating disorders and, and body image concerns. Mm-hmm. So are you, exclu- is that kind of exclusively 
what you work with now, like in your practice? I mean, I think that's certainly what I'm known for. And so a lot of people come in the door um, because of an issue with their relationship with food or their bodies. Um, but it's interesting because just eating disorders are so much um, a symptom of other things that are going on for people in their lives. And so, you know, very quickly or very frequently, we get to the core of other issues and problems, which can be depression, anxiety, just things feeling chaotic, out of control, stressful in people's lives. And then eating disorders can sometimes become a way of coping with that. Um, so when you drill down, you can see how, you know, anxiety, relational issues, depression, as I said, are all kind of stem and stream through the issue of eating disorder. So we might not be talking about food and bodies in particular, um, but that might be the starting point that kind of um, gets us to dig a little bit deeper to what else is going on. Yeah. So you have somebody who, who is at home or, or at school or wherever dealing with trauma of some kind, whether it's bullying or whether it's abuse and you kind of help them take pick the, and, and then that causes anxiety. I'm just going in the order that it's anxiety or depression. And that's what leads to the disorders and you help them pick that all apart sort of at the root. Yeah. And so uh, just exactly like you said, there's lots of studies that have showed that it's typically the anxiety that predates uh, eating disorders. So it can be, you know, there's a multitude of studies out there, but ranging from like one third to two thirds to almost 90% of people who experience an eating disorder also experience anxiety. Um, so it, it certainly um, can be a way of trying to cope with or deal with stress and anxiety, right? So when you think about it, it's if there's things that we can't control in our lives or feel out of control or chaotic, the thing that I can zero in on that might give me some semblance of control is if I can I, I, I can control what I eat and how I move. And then the, there can be some rigidity that forms around that. Right. So it, it can, in that sense, it can function as kind of a way of coping or dealing with anxiety. Right. Yeah. I see. How, how does it, you know, with, with me, I, I kind of, with my anxiety past and, and uh, well, it's not past it's present. It's always there. And, you know, it's the kind of thing I'll live with for the rest of my life. Um, I use cognitive behavioral therapy. Um, do you find that it, that it always goes in the, in the, you know, cause you have the triangle thoughts, feelings, actions. Mm -hmm. um, do you find with eating disorders, do you find once you get to the, the sort of, you know, the pit of what's going on, then the uh, sort of the, the physical effects of the eating disorder disappear, or do you have to work on those as two kind of separate silos? Like, does it necessarily, if you're feeling better, does that necessarily mean that, you know, your eating disorder is gone? Or do you like mm. what I'm asking is, can you work on the action and and, and affect the, the thoughts and the emotions? Yeah, yeah, that's a great question. And I think I, I would say that I've seen both happen and, the, and that eating disorders tend to be so complex that there's so many routes and ways that that um, it can happen for folks for so I think I, I've definitely worked with clients that once we kind of manage the stress and the coping and they see how that's connected to the eating, then that to some extent is so helpful and that helps to resolve the rigidity around eating behaviors. And then for other folks where the 
there's also when you think about just our entire culture, diet culture, and and the pervasiveness of the thin ideal and beauty standards and all of that, that that also becomes so ingrained that even that recognition of oh, this is a way that it's helping me to cope. It still takes a lot of work to undo all of that other messaging, right? So mm-hmm. you can see that there's there can be so many layers of this, but I think certainly. Um, and this is where prevention I think is so important and, and catching it early. And we know certainly that when we get involved with people earlier and um, before the eating disorder is really entrenched, then we see better outcomes. Mm-hmm. And, and so I think when that connection first starts to be identified that perhaps there's other things that are going on in our life that are really stressful and it's, it's showing up in these ways that I'm coping and we can catch that early. We have a much better chance of, of resolving that. Yeah. Do you, is there, you know, what, what is the, what's the demographic that you mostly deal with or is it right across the board? You know, do, do eating disorders, can they affect somebody who's a senior? Um, or are they, I, I, I imagine they must be pretty rampant in, you know, young people up into their 20s. Um, what's the demographic there? Yeah, yeah. So definitely, I think, you know, what you identified, young people, teens and adolescents is when we see that most commonly emerge. And that is definitely a really big subset of people that struggle with eating disorders or just disordered eating and an unhealthy relationship with food and body image. Um it, 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 however, it does not um, uh, just land there. Uh, certainly boys, men across the lifespan, across ethnicities, across genders, like it can impact anyone. Um, and so I think also with social media, the more connectedness, more, you know, the proliferation of plastic surgeries and all of these things Mm. becoming more and more commonplace, more pressure to stay young, thin, et cetera. We're seeing um, eating disorders show up for the first time in, in middle age and later ages and later stages of life Um, could be following a triggering event um, life changes and transitions that are stressful. So if you think about kind of, you know, whether that be divorce, having a child, um, moving cities, changing jobs, all of those things could potentially be kind of precipitating factors really for when you think about kind of anxiety and then unhealthy ways of coping with that. Right. So, mm-hmm. um, it does not discriminate based on age, but definitely, as you said, quite rampant in, in kind of adolescence, early adulthood. Mm-hmm. Um, but I also want to dispel the myth that it's, you know, a young females issue. Right, right. Um, and I think some more and more we're seeing just the pervasiveness of, you know, filters, perfected images, you know, and, and for, for boys and men, it can look differently. And I think sometimes gets missed because it's not necessarily the way that we typically think about eating disorders as a drive for, for thinness. And it could be a drive for leanness, for muscularity of kind of over-focusing on the body, on fitness and nutrition, which often gets praised. And, and we might not see when that actually becomes problematic for, for some boys and men. So I think that's also important to highlight that it's definitely not just girls that are struggling with this. And we're seeing more and more boys acknowledging that they're feeling these pressures as well. Yeah. I, I, myself, I, I wouldn't, I don't think I qualify as having an eating disorder, but it's definitely, you know, 
when I'm in a depressed state or when I'm in an anxious state for a period of time, I shed pounds like crazy. Um, mm -hmm. and, and it bothers me. It affects me, you know, where I'm like checking the scale because I associate, you know, losing weight with illness. Um, mm. You know, I've got like a, some health anxiety. So, you know, it's, it's all it's even on, even on that level, it's it's a fight um, to kind of keep my brain straight and, and, and try and define um, what's healthy and what's not healthy. And, and I don't know, I, I guess maybe the, the idea is that there's no um, there's no one uh, sort of way to be, you know in terms of her body image. Yeah. And I think that that's a great point, right? Cause for some, that would be like a, a welcome side effect of stress. If you're mm -hmm. oriented towards wanting, you know, to be thin or lean. And then for some folks where I see the opposite happens that stress actually um, creates like a disinhibition about food and more tendencies to overeat, to binge and to gain weight, mm -hmm. which also increases stress and anxiety. Right. So um, it can really show up in a multitude of ways, but it's more about kind of when does, I think the questions to kind of reflect on is kind of when does stress and anxiety kind of negatively impact my relationship with food in a way that becomes kind of preoccupying, um, is impacting my life or my um, my ability to socialize and do things that I would want to do. Like, is it actually inhibiting me in some way it would be kind of a helpful question to to ask oneself. Right. Um, tell me about Jesse's legacy um, that you're involved with. Yeah. So Jesse's legacy is a, a prevention and awareness program. Um, so Jesse's legacy is named after a young woman um, named Jesse Alexander, who tragically lost her life as a result of an eating disorder. And her and her family were so passionate about wanting to create um, a space where there was information and resources for individuals and for families who were suffering and for that to be easily accessible. Um, so the, the real mission behind Jesse's legacy is to provide information and create awareness and decrease stigma around eating disorders and getting support for them. Um, and all of the, the kind of permutations before the clinical eating disorder of what we've been talking about, right? Just issues with dieting, with body image, all of these kind of precursors and, and creating um, resources and supports for people to identify that earlier on and to, to get help for themselves and to start this conversation. Mm -hmm. uh, so we're really passionate about, about doing that work and, and spreading the message. So how do you how do you deploy that? How do you spread the message? What kind of programming do you have? What kind of presence do you have online? How do you how do you get to people? Yeah, so most of what we do has been online. So we're, you know, as you said, we're a small program on the North Shore and we have our mandate to, we're the prevention and awareness program for eating disorders for the province. So as you can imagine, the way that we get to people across the province is electronically, which has served us well in COVID certainly was less of a hard pivot for us and the services that we offer. Um, so we um, lead the campaign for a Provincial Eating Disorders Awareness Week every year, which is February 1st through 7th. Um, and so we do that with every year we have a different kind of theme and campaign message and we engage the community and we have different events and speakers and things like that. Um, we create really good 
um, evidence-based information and our website is a great um, repository of, of information for, like I said, for both individuals who are suffering and for families and also for um, teachers and health educators to access. Um, we help do support and navigation for folks. So if you're looking to find resources and um, programming in your community or how to access and what supports to access and what you need to get into programs, et cetera, we can help you navigate that. Um, and then we also do um, education and prevention presentations. Now through the magic of Zoom, we're doing them yeah. not only in the lower mainland, but across the province. Um, so we start as young as grades four and five all the way through grade 12, and then also offer some resources for university age students. And we also do kind of um, specialized presentations, whether that be for parent groups, for health professionals, for teachers, et cetera. Um, so we're, those are kind of the main prongs. And then we also have our social media accounts, um, which all go by the handle love our bodies. So that's right. really a space to have an opportunity for kind of compassionate body positive messaging opportunities for reflection and really just something to counter all of the diet culture and, and pressures that we see online. So those are the, the kind of wow. main ways that we, yeah, address this. Yeah, that, that's, that's fabulous. Um, I, I appreciate you talking about this today. I, I really appreciate what you do. Um, and what they do at Jesse's Legacy. It's incredible. Um, and um, I really, uh, I, I'd like to just quickly say it's jessieslegacy.com. That's J-E-S-S-I-E-S legacy.com. And uh, Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter, like you just said, at Love Our Bodies is your handle for all three of those. Joanna, I really appreciate you doing this. Thanks for everything you're doing and, and coming on the podcast and, you know, helping people be able to figure out what's going on with themselves and giving them resources to do it. I, I really appreciate that you did that with me. Oh, thank you so much. It was so wonderful to be here. Okay. Have a great day. You too. Thank you for listening to our anxiety stories. If you'd like to support this podcast or anxiety Canada, go to anxietycanada.com.